you take your seats, go ahead and take out your Bibles and turn, if you would, to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, we're going to continue forward in our series today. We're going to be looking at uh, verses 18 through 26 and this paragraph. And uh, as you're turning there, I just want to give us a, a little bit about what we're going to see today. Um, situate us in this text. Paul here is in prison, remember, and uh, he's facing the possibility even of his execution at this point. And today in this text, he's going he's gonna to invite us into his wrestling with the meaning of, of life and death and joy and faith. And he, he's actually going to model for us how we ought to rejoice in living and in dying. Uh, this text this morning is probably going to be heavy for many of you in this room today. Uh, we, have, we have people here who are at both ends of the spectrum, maybe you're here and you or someone close to you is struggling with, with death. It's, it's imminence, it's ugliness, it's inevitability. You might be like, how, how can I have joy with death looming? How can I have joy in the midst of dying and all of its effects? Uh, maybe you're here this morning and your struggle right now actually is on the other end of the spectrum and it's living. And you might be like, man, life is, is messy and it's brutal and it's filled with suffering and hardship. And at this point, Nate, it, it just seems like that is, that's never ending. Joy, joy in, in this life? Really? Uh, talking with so many of you, even over the past month since the first of the year, um, there's a lot of suffering happening right now in our midst as a church. And I'm not gonna lie, I, I would not have chosen to preach this passage this morning. I would have, I would have been like, this is too raw, and too close for so many of us right now. Surely there's something else that would be more uplifting. <laughs> but this is why we preach through the Bible, right? right? I trust that the Lord in his providence has brought us to this passage this morning. And I trust that he knows. He knows your circumstances. He knows my circumstances. And he has something here for us today. Amen. So with that in mind, let's, let's dive into this. Philippians chapter one, verse 18. Uh, remember at the end, at the beginning of verse 18, he summarizes kind of the paragraphs from last week. He's like, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. And then he says this, yes, I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. 
It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that's far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with you all for your progress and your joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Go back to verse 18 there. Yes, I will rejoice. Four reasons why Paul can rejoice in living and dying. Reason number one, Paul can rejoice in living and dying because Christ will deliver. Christ will deliver. Look at verse 19. He says, for I know, I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Deliverance from, from what? Is this deliverance from prison? Or is this deliverance from, <coughs> excuse me, something else? What is this? How do we know? Uh, remember, this is sandwiched here between him talking about his imprisonment in the paragraphs before that we went through last week and what's next, which is a conversation about living and dying. How do we know what he, he's gonna be delivered from? A couple indicators to help us see what's happening here. First is this, it's in the words of this, right? He says, this will, this will turn out for my deliverance. This will here seems to indicate he's wrestling with something more than just being released from prison. There's a, there's a confidence here. There's a, a certainty expressed by Paul right here. And what's interesting is he expresses that certainty right before he expresses uncertainty about whether or not he's gonna live or die. So he's like, this will turn out for my deliverance. I'll be released. If that's from prison, I'm released from prison. And then he turns around and he says, but if I die in prison, <laughs> like, wait a second, that, that doesn't work. Another indicator that can help us is this word deliverance. Deliverance here is the same Greek word that we also translate as salvation. Salvation. We're gonna see it two more times in Philippians. We'll see it in next week's passage, and we're gonna see it a couple weeks after that. And when we see that in Philippians, it's referring to our ultimate salvation in Jesus Christ. So what's Paul saying here? What's this expressing to us? I think this is a faith statement by Paul. He's like, this will 
turn out for my deliverance. I will be delivered. If I'm released from prison, I'll be delivered. But even if I'm not released from my current suffering circumstances, I will ultimately be spiritually delivered by Jesus Christ. He's saying one way or another, my deliverance is in him. How will Paul be able to persevere in this joyful faith until his ultimate deliverance? He tells us at the beginning of verse 19. He says, I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Once again, Paul holds out to us prayer as something excellent and necessary and Powerful. How is it powerful here? Well, it's linked directly to the help of the Spirit in Paul's life. Right? He says the Spirit's help here is an answer to the prayers of the Philippians. So they're meant to be a, a praying people. He expects them to be a praying people, and the result of their prayers will be the Spirit's help in Paul's life. That's the importance of prayer for us as a local church. Wednesday night, we've got a worship and prayer night here at our, here at our church, 7 to 8 p.m. I, this night for my family has been one of the sweetest, most sanctifying, some of our most powerful times with you as a church. I would commend Wednesday night to you. I know life happens, right? Work happens, little ones need to go to bed, but boy, if we could spend an hour together with our faith family, lifting high the name of Jesus, crying out to him in prayer, Oh, why would we want to be anywhere else? I hope you'll consider being part of Wednesday night. So Paul's like, I know my end. What is his end? Deliverance in Jesus Christ. That changes everything, right? In that he can rejoice. Christian, we will be delivered. Amen. Whatever you are facing in your life right now, if you are not delivered in this life, you will be ultimately. Why? Because you are a child of God. And we can rejoice in that. Paul rejoices because Christ will deliver. Paul also rejoices because Christ will be honored in his dying. Christ will be honored in his dying. We're gonna start with dying because of what Paul says about it here. Look down at verse 20. 
said, is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Christ will be honored. The word here is megaluno. It means to make big. You're like, wait a second, God's already big. That's why this has the idea of magnify. Show to be great. Put on display, esteemed, honored. So Paul is saying, I want Christ to be made much of with my living and my dying. I want my whole being to put his beauty on display. Look at verse 21. This is Paul's life verse, I think. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die, to die is, is gain. To live and die here is, it's not simply the state of being alive or dead. It's the way that he lives and dies. To me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. How is Christ magnified in his dying? Christ is magnified in dying when we view dying as gain. Like, why is, why is dying gain? Look down at verse 23. He says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Woodenly translated here, that would be much more better. <laughs> it's a whole lot better to be with Jesus Christ. So how is Christ magnified in dying? Christ is magnifying dying when we view dying as gain. And why is dying gain? Dying is gain because we get to be with Christ. A couple things to note about this. If you know Jesus as your savior, you will have the glorious joy of being with him when you die. Right, no bizarre notions about what happens at the, at the moment of death. You will close your eyes to the tragedy and the suffering and the longing of this life and you will open them to the face of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says to be absent from the body is to be present. It's to be at home with the Lord. Stop and just think about that for a moment. That will be the best moment of our existence. Right? Closing our eyes to the struggles and even the joys and the difficulties and the questions of this life and opening them once and for all to the face of our Savior. In that, we can rejoice. Another thing to note about this passage is this. According to Paul here, Christ is the great reward of eternal life. Christ is the great reward of eternal life. Do we think that way? 
what, what are you most looking forward to about eternity? Maybe it's sin removed. Maybe it's physical healing. Maybe it's death no more. Maybe it's a new body. I am looking forward to that. No more worrying about calories. No more glasses, I hope. I'll be able to hear on my right ear, which will be nice. All that's incredible. But Paul is indicating the greatest reward of eternity will be our nearness to Jesus. Do we think that way? Do we cling to that hope? When we long for, when we yearn to meet Jesus, we magnify him in our dying. And that's, that's not some fatalistic view of life that's like, I'll just let this all pass away. I just wanna go be with Jesus. It's not that. Rather, it's fuel for our living, right? I can live in this life even with all of its difficulty because of what I believe about my dying. Because I know that dying is gain because I will get to spend eternity with my Savior. Paul rejoices because he'll be delivered. He rejoices because Christ will be honored in his dying. Third thing, Paul rejoices because Christ will be honored in living. In living. Look down at verse 20 again. I'm sorry, I've got a serious cold this morning. <laughs> Verse 20 says, it is my eager expectation and hope that I'll not be at all ashamed, but with full courage now as always what? Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ. He's like, living is Christ, his whole life is characterized by, it's oriented around, it's centered on Christ. His entire existence is about serving Jesus. So Christ isn't merely the greatest reward in eternity. Christ is the great reward of this life. Right, Jesus, Jesus died to save us from God's wrath, to save us from eternal separation from God because of our sins. He died to give us eternal life, but he also died to save us to a life of good works, right? He died so that we might live for his glory. What does living for Christ look like? Paul's gonna tell us, look down at verse 22 again. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I, I can't tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. That's far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. 
convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all. For what reason? For your progress and your joy in the faith. What does living for Christ look like to Paul? Look at verse 22. He says, living in the flesh means fruitful labor for me. What kind of labor is fruitful? Down in verse 25, he tells us, I know I will remain and continue with you all for what reason? For what fruitful labor? For your progress and your joy in the faith. The living for Christ that Paul has in mind here, it's living a life of fruitful labor, namely the progress and joy of others in order to magnify, to make much of Jesus, all right? So this is why Paul's wrestling with the implications of living and dying. He has two great choices, but they seem to be competing against each other, don't they? He's like, how do I long to be with Jesus in dying and yet rejoice in living now? in the midst of these difficult circumstances. How do, you, how do we live in this tension? Good option number one, living for Christ. Better option number two, dying and being with Christ. Paul's like, I wanna go be with Jesus. I wanna go be with him. But living for your benefit, that's more needed. Living for your progress and joy is more necessary, right? Imagine if we lived with that degree of sacrificial selflessness towards each other, right? What would, what would this community of believers look like if we spent our lives for the progress and joy of each other? My life is about serving my Savior. So you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna live my life for your benefit. I'm gonna live my life so that you will joyfully know, love, serve, and become like Jesus. Remember back verse 10 in this first chapter? Paul prays for the Philippian church that they would approve what is excellent. And here he's saying the more excellent choice was actually not Paul's greatest desire. Try telling that to our culture today. Like, how dare you deny me my desire, right? He's like, the excellent choice here is living for Christ, even though that's the harder choice. Look at verse 25. You have to ask the question, then how does he know that he will remain. He's like, I know I will remain and continue with you all. How does he know that? Like he's talked about, well, whether, whether I live, whether I die, how does he know that he's gonna remain with them? Well, he knows because he's alive. Because he's not dead. Because the Lord has allowed him to Continue living. How do you know if God has fruitful work for you to accomplish in this life? Because you're here, right? You're, you're alive, you're living 
God, the author of life, has allowed you to have breath in your lungs so that you will spend yourself living for him and for the progress and joy of others. This gives such immense meaning and significance to our lives, doesn't it? Gives us purpose. Rejoice in that. You might be like, well, Nate, I don't have much to offer. Right? This is the Apostle Paul. Of course, he was meant to continue for their progress and joy. He's writing scripture. But don't forget, how is he doing this? By the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Same Spirit available for the help of Paul. Indwelling Paul is the same Spirit of Jesus Christ that is available to you to help you, who indwells you. And think about this for a second. He, he created you in his image. He sought you and saved you by grace. He sustained you thus far in this life so that you will faithfully, with whatever little or much that he's given you, use it to point others to him. Trusting that we will ultimately be delivered by Christ. Grasping the gain of what it means to be with Christ in eternity. This should all fuel our living for him, here and now. Last reason that Paul can rejoice in living and dying is for this reason, because Christ will be glorified in everything because Christ will be glorified in everything. Look down at verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and your joy in the faith. For what reason? Verse 26, so that in me, because of me living in this way, you may have ample cause to glory in whom? In Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. He's still holding on there like he thinks he's coming back. Rejoicing, deliverance, honoring him in living and dying, all of that only comes through the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. It's only possible because of his finished work on the cross on our behalf and his ongoing work of sanctification in our lives. So Paul here is saying, if there's anything worthy if there's anything fruitful about my life, do this, praise the Lord, not me. Because it's all from him, through him, and for him. And in that, we rejoice, we rejoice. Uh, Paul Thielman, he's a really smart guy that writes books about the Bible. Um, he summarized this passage like this, he said, Christ is more important than life itself to Paul. The joy and progress of his fellow Christians is more important than departing and being with Christ. Oh, may that be true for us, right? May Christ be more important than life itself to us. And would the joy and progress 
of our fellow Christians. I mean, look around this room. May the joy and progress of each other in the faith be more important than departing and being with Christ. Uh, as the worship team comes this morning, I wanna pray Psalm 34 over us. Um, I am convinced that Paul had this psalm in mind when he penned this passage. Psalm written by David about a thousand years prior to when he wrote this part of Philippians. As I pray through it, listen for similarities. Listen for words that are the same. Listen for thoughts and theology that strikes you. And as we do it, worship him. We can rejoice in living and in dying because of Jesus. Because our living and our dying is all about him. And that roots us in something that is unchanging and wonderful beyond anything that this world has to offer. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and he delivered him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him.